Podcast Podcast. This is Court Winsett. We are recording today without Katie Pickler, so Cameron, you're going to have to step up your game because this is Boys Night Out. (laughs) (laughs) This is Boys Night Out, and I, the topic that we're tackling today, I really uh, have very little understanding of. I'm I'm just going to admit it. I'll throw it out there. Yeah, Um, so today we're talking about crypto, cryptocurrency, and uh, preparing for this episode, I invested a minimal amount into cryptocurrency. Mm. just to kind of see what it's all about, kind of know what I'm talking about. And I have no idea what I'm talking about, <laughs> but it, it was kind of fun. It kind of fun, uh, like checking the app every day. Okay. Where, where are the levels? You know, yeah. what's dropping, what's going up. Everything that I preach about, uh, about the market and about investing and stuff is, is, you know, I guess I should say right now, we are not at any time during this, this, <laughs> during this podcast, <laughs> recommending that you invest your money in, any sort of cryptocurrency that is this is not a recommendation this is we are not recommending any particular products we are just we're intrigued by it because the topic continues to remain a very very hot topic on all of the medias um but i'm interested in it but i just don't i just don't understand it so i feel, i feel like you know we're going to have to get somebody in here to talk about it with us that that actually Knows, knows more what about they're it. talking about. <laughs> but back to my point, the thing about watching the up and down and stuff, you know, I'm I very much, you know, when I'm talking to people about their investments, I'm very much a sort of a buy it, leave it. I think in Bitcoin, if you buy it and leave it, that's there. There's a term for that. It's it's <laughs> yeah. hold on for dear life. Yeah. Hodl. Hodl. That's yeah. right. Uh, Which was misspelled by somebody, and they (laughs) instead of hold, hodl, and they kept it. They kept it. But the cryptocurrencies are still sort of, I don't know, I don't want to say that I'm against them, but it's it's very much against my overall investment philosophy because I'm I'm about investing for the long term and this stuff, it is crazy. Yeah. I'm glad we're I'm glad we're finally covering this because it is such a hot topic, like you said. You read about it in the news all the time. Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, Elon Musk is always tweeting about it. I also want to say that last year David did, David Pickler did a presentation, a two-hour presentation on this called Tales from the Crypto. Our our podcast will not be two hours today. No, so. it will not. <laughs> so if you want a really detailed lesson on all things cryptocurrency, you can go to PicklerWealthAdvisors.com and check that video out. Yes, check it out. So before we get to our guest, we have a list. We do. We always have a list. We don't want to just throw everything out the window just because Katie's not here today. <laughs> uh, so our list is we did a, we did a little research as Cameron said he did more than I did uh, to prepare for this episode. And one of the things that you find when you start looking into cryptocurrency is the fact that there are a whole lot of cryptocurrencies out there, a ton, uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. And a lot of them have some really hilarious names. They are bananas. <laughs> so this is our list of our favorite cryptocurrencies based solely on their wacky name. Yes. And, and again, we can't disclaim this enough. <laughs> we are not recommending these as an investment. We are just simply the names tickle us. They tickle our fancy. You want to start first? What's your uh, I'll go first. My first one is actually, uh, I don't know why I picked this one. I can't, I can't, but it's um, Ardor. Ardor, yeah, sounds it's, like a name from Middle Earth. Uh, it's um, you know when you when you when you feel ardor for someone, you you, you love them, and <laughs> it's, it, it's, it's strong feelings. So ardor. My uh, first one is called Thor Chain. <laughs> it just sounds epic. That's why I liked it. Thor Break chain. the chains. <laughs> 
Okay, my next one is uh, it, it's Origin Trail, <laughs> which I just love because who who doesn't remember playing Oregon Trail when they were a kid? Be unfortunate if you died from dysentery while investing in Origin <laughs> Trail. <laughs> Oh, my next one is Shiba Inu, which is a type of dog that lives in wintry weather. We've all heard about Dogecoin, and I think Shiba is a play off of Dogecoin. Mm, okay. Um, yeah, and so my next one, I, I don't know why they named it this, but I'm going to tell you why I, why I like it. It's uh, fetch.ai, and it's because, you know, stop trying to make, make fetch, fetch happen. <laughs> happen. We always talk about Mean Girls on this show. <laughs> this is guys' night. <laughs> Even I'm sorry, but it's uh, at the time that I picked this list, I thought Katie would be in here, and she would have liked it. Oh, man. All right, my next one is called Gods Unchained. <laughs> <laughs> so the first one was Thor Chain, and this is Gods Unchained. So my next one is uh, Golem, which, of course, uh, I, I thought of Cameron because uh, Lord of the Rings, Gollum, but this is actually Golem. It's a, you know, a, a magical creature made out of clay and animated to do chores of of the maker. Like a big rock creature, right? Yeah, sort <laughs> of a... I mean, it, it gets described differently in, in, in all sorts of literature in which it is described. But uh, yeah, the, the, the basic idea is generally dumb, usually made of rock or clay, and um, a frequently used to do bad things. So I'm, you know, I'm interested in, as to why they chose this for the name. <laughs> My next one uh, is called Baby Swap. Like, do they swap babies with this coin? I don't know why they named it that, but I'm keeping it. <laughs> <laughs> don't know. And kind of uh, along those same lines, my last one is Pancake Swap. Because I was like, oh, obviously the people that started this one just love them some pancakes. I would much rather swap pancakes than babies. <laughs> I, believe me, I have no interest in swapping babies with anybody. <laughs> All right, and closing out the list is Galaxy Heroes. Man, these are some epic coin names. It just reminded me of Guardians of the Galaxy, so I had to go with it. Yeah, of course, of course. So there is our list. And uh, we will move basically directly from the list into our guest, because there's not a whole lot that Cameron and I can, can really offer you about this topic without someone to, to sort of bounce questions off of. But uh, we will, before we go into the, before we go into the guest, we can, we can read this one quote from Sally Davies, who said, blockchain is to crypto what the internet is to email, a big electronic system on top of which you can build applications. Currency is just one of the things you can do. So why did I read that quote to you? Well, because as hopefully you will find during our, our interview of our guest, blockchain is, is the foundation of cryptocurrency. You, you don't have cryptocurrency without blockchain. So you, you've, got to, you've, you've got to understand that as a very basic element of uh, uh, gaining any sort of understanding of cryptocurrency overall. You're absolutely right, Court. You ready for the guest? Bring in the guest. Let's bring bring, bring out the gimp. <laughs> All right, Andy Wilson, let's see what you got. Okay, lovely lead-in guest music there, Cameron. That's why I'm here. Yeah. Uh, we have with us Andy Wilson. Um the Andy Wilson. The 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 Andy Wilson of the famed Wilsons of uh, something. I so, so <laughs> Andy's mother-in-law used to work here, Melissa House. 
Right. Yeah. And she was with oh, us for I'd a say, long time. I didn't, I didn't know if I was going there. Well, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. going there. Yeah. Okay, okay. So, so we have known Andy for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Andy. Andy wrote, knows a lot more than we do about crypto. what it is we're talking yeah, about today yeah. about crypto. Uh, and so we wanted to bring him on because I really, you know, some of our episodes we get, we've gotten into some topics where maybe I didn't know as much about it as I, as I should have, or Katie didn't know as much about it as she should have. But usually one of us has information, you know, one of us has, has the goods and we, neither of us know anything about crypto. That's so, why we bring in the professionals. Yeah. We're bringing in Andy to talk about it. And really this is going to be, uh, we're just going to kind of open it up and let him sort of, first of all, introduce himself. Cause my introduction probably was a little bit lame. Um, but after he introduces himself, we're just going to sort of let him talk about uh, all of, all of the, all of the crypto and, uh, we'll throw in questions, pepper him, see if we can't get him to break. Uh, I'm sorry <laughs> to get him to, to... <laughs> so Andy, tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got, uh, how you got into crypto. Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, I want to say I'm not, I do not consider myself a crypto expert. Uh, yeah, I have been, you know, in, in the field for a while, just kind of independently, I started back around, I guess it was 2013 uh, when I first became aware of it and started, you know, doing some speculative uh, buying, but really didn't take off and, you know, start investing in it, uh, you know, a substantial amount until around 2017, 2018. I don't know if you remember, 2017 was around the time where uh, it kind of blew up for the first time, you know, in the mainstream. It was in the news. People were talking about it. You know, that's... uh, that's when I really, you know, kind of got into it. But before that, it was around late 2013. And, you know, ever since then, uh, you know, to been buying, trading, uh, and just watching the market, you know, every, you know, every facet of it, you know, which there are many. So you've... Basically my story. You've been involved for a while. Almost 10 years now. If you if you count the... Tw- if you count, uh, you know, 2013, which was... I, I, I really don't... Almost don't even count that because it was just like a couple times where I, yeah. you know, bought it just to see what it was and was just kind of experimenting with it. I didn't really become like an investor until around 17, 18. But, you know, I tell people 13 because it sounds better. It's like, <laughs> it sounds like I've been in it for a while. I've been doing it and forever. It's not a lie. So, yeah, yeah. As I mentioned um, earlier in the show, to prepare for this episode, um, I invested in some crypto. I mean, a, a yeah. minimal amount. Uh, so minimal that if I lost it, I wouldn't shed a tear. Uh, but, man, it is fascinating. Just a little bit I've done. It's like sports betting. I can't quit looking at my Coinbase app to see the performance <laughs> and everything. How about we go to the beginning, kind of in a logical line? So we know that's when, how I like things. Yes, that's how we like things. So we know when you got invested and and why. How about what is cryptocurrency? Like, how would you define it? Yeah, like uh, for instance, obviously, still I think, although less and less every day, it seems like Bitcoin is still sort of uh, king of the king of the mountain. Um, you know, when I think of crypto, that that's where my mind goes. But when we were, again, when we were doing research for this episode, there are like hundreds of, of cryptocurrencies out there. It blew my mind how many there were. So what is crypto and, and sort of why, why do we need so many? <laughs> why do we need so many? I don't understand. So many of the cryptos. Yeah. Well, one mistake people you know tend to make when they first get into it is is thinking that every single crypto out there is competing with each other, you know, to replace the dollar and become you know a mainstream currency. That, that's 
that's not the case at all. These, all of these, the reason there are so many, they all have different use cases. They're used in different apps. They're used in different projects. You know, they can all exist, you know, they can coexist and, you know, they can all do well. It's not, uh, it's, it's not really a competition for which one wins, you know, and which one becomes the main one. But like you said, Bitcoin is still uh, definitely, you know, the king uh, if you just look at it by market cap, it's, you know, probably double, you know, the next, uh, the next highest market cap. And I don't think that's going to be uh, changing for a while, but, uh, but yeah, there are, there are a ton of different ones. I mean, there's probably thousands at this point. And if you count the failed projects that, you know, got started, you know, years ago and just never made it, you know, probably tens of thousands uh, of those, but yeah, they all have, uh, I'll have different use cases. So what what is it? I mean, on a very talk to me like I'm a two year old. What, what what is it on the most basic level? Well, to understand what a cryptocurrency is, you really first have to understand what a blockchain is, blockchain technology. Uh, so, blockchain is going to be a decentralized ledger. And decentralized uh, meaning decentralized meaning that there is not one you know corporate office that houses every server and controls all the data and controls how everything flows. It's it's all independent uh, miners uh, is what we call them a Bitcoin miner. I don't know if you've heard about yeah uh, mining yeah Bitcoin mining. Uh, those are the people who run the network, and there are thousands. I mean, any and anyone could set up a mining operation. Uh, you know, you don't need permission. Uh, you know, one thing, one word you'll hear a lot, you know, if you're researching crypto is permissionless. Uh, and that's, that's what it, you know, that's as far as becoming a miner and, uh, you know, operating a node on, on the blockchain, it's completely permissionless. You could start one right now. You wouldn't have to ask permission from anyone to do it. You just do, do it. Do you, do you need like special equipment? Do you need? Well, you, so you would need a computer, uh, at a minimum, uh, you know, a dedicated computer that would be able to run the mining software, you know, as long as uh, you want to have it, you know, online. But the people who mine seriously, you know, they'll build their own like mining rigs, uh, which would just be a computer with a lot of specialized hardware attached to it. Mainly graphics cards, uh, which you know, some people find interesting, is like yeah. gaming graphic cards that people use for like gaming computers. Those have the exact components you need to mine crypto. Uh, so people will buy these these graphic cards and you know they'll buy 10, 15, 20 of them and build them all into one you know unit that's used exclusively for mining and they'll just turn it on and, and, and let it run and it's sitting there processing blocks, processing transactions, you know getting those block rewards you know in your sleep basically you know you turn it on, kind of set it and forget it other than you know basic maintenance. What exactly are you mining? If you're mining for gold, there's a physical nugget of gold that you have. What are you mining? Well, it depends on the token, depends on the coin we're talking about. But if we're talking Bitcoin, uh, so there are things called block rewards. So what a miner does is a miner is who processes these transactions. So when we say decentralized, like if I'm sending you Bitcoin, it doesn't have to go to, you know, some central office somewhere for, you know, a centralized processing center to, you know, validate the transaction and, you know, make it make it happen. It goes to a miner, which could be anyone, you know, anyone on the blockchain. And what these miners do is they use their computing power. You know, that's they're loaning out their computing power from their hardware uh, to facilitate these transactions. So they're going to check, you know, the blockchain is a permanent record. They're going to check your wallet balance, you know, what you have in there right now, how much you're trying to send. And they're going to look at the recipient, make sure it's an actual wallet that exists, uh, you know, and make sure it's somewhere that it can be sent. And they're going to record that transaction, uh, 
deduct it from one, add it to the other, and they're going to record that to the blockchain. Multiple uh, miners are going to do this. It's not just one. Like Each one would be called a confirmation. Uh, so if you're looking at your transaction status and you see it's got two confirmations, five confirmations, uh, that's how many computers, how many miners have, have found your transaction and confirmed that it's a legitimate transaction. Does your brain hurt, Court? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I, Decentralized you know, node mining. <laughs> yeah, you know, I guess we, I sort, we sort of jumped on the whole uh, mining thing because that was a term that both of us have heard. But really, we we skipped over. You said, you know, if you're going to talk about crypto, you really have to understand blockchain, and I feel like we kind of yeah, skipped yeah. past that. Yeah, yeah, went straight to mining. Yeah, uh, so, well, mining is a big part of the blockchain and how the blockchain works. Uh, because uh, it's going to be, it's it's consists of all these computers, these miners. Uh, so when all these miners together, you know, the network that they operate on is the blockchain. Uh, and it's just a permanent record. It's a permanent, you know, code uh, that when once something is recorded, it's there forever. Uh, and then each subsequent recording, you know, would be used to deduct or add to uh, different wallet balances. But so your wallet, you know, you mentioned uh, the wallets before. Uh, those are the addresses on the blockchain where the crypto is stored. So each wallet will have a balance. And what the miners do is they, you know, they move these balances from wallet to wallet. Very cool. Man, I have so many questions. Okay, so say you're interested in, in purchasing crypto. And no, this is not a recommendation. We're not recommending investing in cryptocurrency. But if you were, do you just go to your, your local gas station and tell the clerk, hey, I want some bit, some Bitcoin? Where, where do you go? In an ideal world, yes. <laughs> uh, and actually, there are some you know retail locations that have Bitcoin ATMs set up. But the average user would want to just go to uh, an exchange that allows you to purchase with a credit card or a bank wire, which you know, we mentioned Coinbase you know, would be one of those. Uh, Gemini would be one. Uh, there are several different that'll let you, there are several different exchanges that'll let you you know, use a bank transfer, an ACH transfer, or a credit card or debit card, uh, and they'll provide a centralized uh, wallet for you there on the exchange that then you can use to send, receive, um, you know, do what you will with it, store it there. So these online exchanges, they have fees, right? Basically, if, if you buy fees. crypto, you, they take a little cut of that? So usually well, on your on-ramp, your on-ramps and your off-ramps, meaning when you, you trade dollars for crypto or trade crypto back, back for dollars... Uh, that's when you really see the fees. Uh, there are trading fees, you know, which are usually pretty minor. Uh, but yeah, when you first buy in, you know, with, you know, regular, you know, with your credit card or your, your bank account, I think Coinbase does like a nominal fee. I think it's like maybe 1%, 2% with a minimum of like one ninety nine or something like that. Uh, it's not, not a whole lot. Um, just to get into the crypto game. Now, once you buy it, uh, sending it from uh, you know location to location may have its own fees, uh, depending on which token it is. Some are cheaper than others. You know, some don't have any fees. Some have pretty high fees, and then others. It just depends on the network at the moment how much tra how much traffic is going in and out. In and out. Like Ethereum is one that. Uh, that's based on how much is transacting at any given moment. And if there are a ton of people trying to transact on Ethereum and you try to do an Ethereum transaction, you're going to get hit with a really high fee because, you know, you're taking up bandwidth. But, you know, some other tokens that, uh, some other coins that, that don't use that model, you know, they might just have a flat rate that's, you know, a few cents on the dollar uh, or just a few cents total, 
you know, to do any transaction. Something you've mentioned a few times and that I've heard of is, is the idea of this wallet. Yeah. So you can purchase crypto on an exchange, but what's the point of the wallet? So the wallet, all crypto is stored in a wallet, whether it's on, whether it's on an exchange or whether you actually own the wallet yourself. This is all digital, right? You know, we're still talking about digital stuff. I've heard of a cold wallet and a hard wallet. I I don't know. We can get into (laughs) that. Let's get into it. Okay. So a Uh, wallet, it's, it's all, it's, that's like another layer. Uh, so when we're talking about just wallet in general, all crypto is stored in a wallet, whether you have, uh, Access to it or possession of it just depends on what what type of wallet it is. So when you buy something on, like, say, Coinbase, the regular Coinbase exchange, uh, you just log into that with a username and password like everything else. So really, it's Coinbase that has possession of it. They just give you access to it. Uh, so, but when you send it off of Coinbase, like Coinbase, they have they have what they call the Coinbase wallet, which I think you you mentioned before mm-hmm. before we started this. Um, so if it's an external wallet, like if it's a, call them like a hot wallet, um, you would own, you would have complete and sole possession of that. Like no one else would have that, have access to it. And it's, and it's based on the different types of, uh, keys, uh, that each wallet has. They have two different types, two different keys each wallet is going to have. They're going to have their public key which is basically your wallet address that you share with people. Like say, hey, send me you know, X amount of Bitcoin. Here's my Bitcoin address. That's your public key that anyone can see. But then you also have your private key. Your private key is, it's basically whoever holds the private key to a wallet owns that wallet. It's like cash. Like, you know, if you, if you have the private key, you have the 12 word phrase, the recovery phrase, um, then you can do any, you have complete and total possession and access to that wallet. Now, when you set up a hot wallet, like like the Coinbase wallet on your phone, you set up your private keys when you do your, it'll ask you, uh, it'll give you 12 words to write down. Your, your 12 word recovery phrase is pretty common among all uh, all crypto wallets. You'll write those down and that'll, that'll be your private key for all intents and purposes. Your actual private key is going to be a string of random, you know, numbers and letters, but that 12 word phrase is going to be what gives you access to it. So when you have that phrase, and you have uh, your crypto stored in a wallet, no one else has any access to it at all. Not even the, the app developer who developed the wallet has access to it because it's generated locally. Like they don't see it on their servers. It's only saved on your device. Uh, and then if you write it down, uh, you know, on a piece of paper and put it in a safe somewhere, you know, then you have a physical copy of it. But when you're talking about cold wallets versus hot wallets, I use, uh, I use a wallet called Ledger Live. Uh, and it's uh, it has a physical device that pairs with it. It's like a Bluetooth chip. So it looks kind of like a USB stick almost, uh, but that's where my private keys are saved. So for me to transact, like if I'm going to send you something, I'd have to have my, uh, my ledger device within proximity of my phone for it to send because that's where my private keys would be saved. It's like an extra layer of security. Uh, it keeps your, it keeps your private keys off any device that's connected to the internet. When I think about any uh, cryptocurrency, I still think about it, I, and I assume most people still think about it in terms of how many dollars it's worth. So we're still, we, you know, we're not talking in terms of, okay, you owe me four but Bitcoins. We're talking in terms of, well, you owe me $45 and it's going to be 0.127 Bitcoin that you, you pay me, right? So... 
why what what are the advantages to Bitcoin over me just you know Venmoing you cash or paying with a credit card online? Is it is it uh, security? Is it I know anonymity is a, is a big thing. Well, the speed of the transaction is one. Uh, just how quickly you can send you know the currency from your possession to another individual's possession. Now, you know, the way we use like Venmo and Cash App and things right now, it seems instantaneous. Like, you know, I'm going to send it to you. You get the notification right then. Really, you just got a notification that I have attempted to send something to you. It's not going to actually clear into your bank account for, you know, a, a day or days, so. Yeah. Uh, so, but, you know, but they'll let you, they'll say, oh, this is your available balance versus your posted balance. And, you know, you'll be able to use it, but it's not truly in your possession until it posts and clears. With Bitcoin and cryptocurrency, it actually moves from your possession to whoever you're sending it to, you know, within, depending on, you know, what network it's on, within a few minutes, a few seconds in some cases. So it bypasses that third party, uh, you know, like a bank or like, you know, any third party facilitator. Uh, who's going to have to you know, hold it for a day or so and like clear it and you know keep it in their possession until it reaches you know where you're sending it? That's the biggest, in my opinion, uh, that's the biggest advantage is uh, you don't really have to rely on a bank. You don't have to rely on a third party. No one else has to hold it and wait. You know, and tell you, oh, you someone sent it to you, but we're not going to give you access to it until uh, you know it posts. And it just takes a you know takes another hand out of out of the equation. It's just you and whoever you're transacting with. That's interesting because researching crypto, I've seen some of them boasting higher speeds. Like I think Ethereum is pretty quick, right? It's one of the fastest or I don't know if it was Ethereum, but I was like, what does that mean? Are they not all the same speed? No, no, they're not. Uh, and Ethereum, I wouldn't say it's one of the fastest. It, it's pretty fast, but there are definitely some that are, uh, that'll go quicker than Ethereum, but it all depends on network uh, traffic. You know, how many people are are transacting at any given at any given point. Uh, so, and with Ethereum, like they're heavily, you know, based on network traffic. Bitcoin, you know, is to an extent, uh, but you know, I know with Ethereum, you know, it might transact really quick, but you know, it's going to cost you if there's a lot of people. Like your 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 uh, miner fee uh, that you have to pay to process the transaction. You know, if it's heavy traffic, you pay for that speed. Uh, whereas on some other tokens, they don't really. And, and it may just be because these other tokens don't have the volume that Ethereum has. And maybe if they did, it would be about the same. You know, we can't really tell uh, you know, until they do start doing, uh, you know, volume like that. But they're all, you know, they're all pretty fast. Bitcoin's probably one of the slowest, uh, actually, uh, since it was the first ever. Uh, Ethereum's pretty fast. Um, you know, I, could, I could name off, you know, s yeah. several other ones. I, I don't want to get too into it. But yeah, speed is, uh, it varies between different coins. And back to the wallet point, just so I can clarify this. So your exchange, like Coinbase, that is centralized, but your wallet is decentralized, right? Yeah, well, so the blockchain itself is decentralized no matter what. Now, the way you access it is what can be centralized uh, or decentralized. Okay. So when you have it in Coinbase, like the app, Coinbase proper is what uh, most people refer to it as, versus the wallet, Um that's centralized. You know, you, you have to log into that with a username and password. They have control of the wallets. They own the private keys. You don't have the private keys when it's there. Uh, so, you know, in some case, you know, if, if, if the government were to subpoena Coinbase and say, hey, we want you to send us all the crypto that this person has in their account, they would have to comply and they could send it off. But if it's in a decentralized wallet where you own the private keys, 
that's not possible because it would it would take you signing a transaction uh, to send something out from from a uh, from a decentralized platform. Because uh, like I said, all wallets are decentralized, but the way you access them, you access them through a certain application or platform. That's where you've got you know decentralized exchanges versus or centralized exchanges versus decentralized exchanges, centralized wallets versus you know decentralized hot wallets or cold wallets. I know you're not a financial advisor, but w- why do you think crypto is so so volatile? Just so many ups and downs. Is it because it's new? I know this is just your personal opinion, but well, there, there's just a lot of a lot of players in the game, uh, and and a lot of it is driven by speculation and people thinking buying it. I mean, you know, as an investment, thinking that it's going to be worth, you know, more in the future. Um, there's a lot of different venues to you know, invest a lot of different ways to invest. Like you can, you know, it's just like a stock, you know, you can open short positions, you can do uh, almost anything you could do with, with a stock. So a lot of it is based on uh, news that comes out. Yeah. Uh, you know, China is a big player in it. You know, they, they recently like banned Bitcoin mining in all of China, which the majority of the hash power uh, of Bitcoin miners in general was based in China. So Whoop, we saw let's, the, the hash power? Hash rate. Let's hash break power. it down. Yeah. So when you talk about Bitcoin miners and their computer their 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 processing power that mm. their computer has, that's basically what you're selling when you're mining for a block reward is it you're loaning out your your processing power. It's like referred to like hash rate mm. uh, is what what we would call that. And if you look at like where most of the hash rate is coming from and where most of you know the mining was going on, it was you know coming out of China. Uh, but because they and I don't I don't claim to understand Chinese law or exactly <laughs> what what they passed or what you know they made legal versus illegal. I just know that they passed some laws in China that really hurt the miners over there. Like they had to completely shut down their whole operations. I know there was a lot of shipments of mining equipment from China into the U.S. Uh, because they had to get rid of all of this. So it, it really, the hash rate in the U.S. really went up, you know, when that happened because we seized a big portion of what was going on uh, in China when that passed. But China's always, you know, they're always passing some law or doing something trying to ban uh, crypto. So uh, that can always influence it. Uh, news from different companies that they, you know, might start accepting. I know when when Tesla, when Elon Musk first said that Tesla will accept Bitcoin as a form of payment, yeah, I remember that we that. saw a big pump in the market. And then later when he changed his mind and said, actually, we're not going to do that. We're not going to accept Bitcoin anymore. We saw the price go down. So And same when he tweeted about Dogecoin, it, it jumped, right? Dogecoin, yeah, that's 100% him. Oh. <laughs> He's, he is 100% in control of that ship, whether he admits it or not. Uh, that's the only reason that that one saw the action that it did. But yeah, and it really depends on the size of the coin. Like, so with Bitcoin, it's a little harder to manip- manipulate because one, it's been around for so much longer. There's way more people who are holding it, way more people who are investing in it. Um, you know, it's available on virtually every exchange. You're not going to find a crypto exchange that, that doesn't have Bitcoin. Uh, so it's harder for like one person, you know, to, to manipulate. But with like Dogecoin and uh, some of the smaller tokens, uh, which we can talk about the difference between a coin and a token. With with some of those, they're small enough to where someone like Elon Musk could come in and tweet something and then completely crash the price or make it soar just based off something he said. Because they're smaller, you know, it's a smaller holder group, uh, you know, less people in it, you know, a small market cap. 
uh, they're just easier to manipulate. And that's where the highest risk is. Like, so if you are planning on, you know, want to invest in, you know, so you want to start investing in crypto, just keep in mind that these smaller low cap projects, um, you know, they have the highest potential for reward, but they can also completely bottom out on the drop of a hat. So right. very, very high risk uh, in that type of, that type of uh, crypto. So what's the difference between a coin and a token? <laughs> <laughs> I thought that might be the next question. Yeah. On any block, or not any blockchain, but we'll use Ethereum as an example. So Ethereum is a coin. I mean, it's, you know, one of the first, one of the first major ones and probably, I think it's still number two as far as market cap goes. Uh, so Ethereum, they have their own blockchain, but they have what they call smart contracts. So you can actually create tokens that operate on the Ethereum blockchain. I know you mentioned the Shiba coin. Mm -hmm. Shiba is an Ethereum token. It's an oh. ERC-20 token. That's the type type of token it is. So it's you store your Shiba coin, your Shiba token in an Ethereum wallet. So it's on the Ether blockchain. It's not, it doesn't have its own blockchain. It's not its own thing, but it is independent of Ethereum as a token, but it requires the Ethereum blockchain to operate. So that would be an example of a token versus a coin. Uh, coin would have its own blockchain uh, and, you know, it, whether or not it would allow developers, you know, smart contracts to come in and uh, create tokens that exist on it, you know, would just depend on the project. But Ethereum is one that has a ton of uh, tokens operating on it. And that's another reason why Ethereum can be so volatile. A lot of times it has nothing to do with Ethereum, but it has something to do with one of the tokens that are on the block, on the Ethereum chain. So if it's like, uh, if it's like Shiba, if the Shiba volume goes up really high, but Ethereum stays flat, you're still going to see an increase in, in those minor fees because Shiba's trans transacting uh, so high. And like the, the fees on that, you know, the minor fees are still paid in Ethereum. They're not paid in the token uh, that you're transacting with. They're paid in Ethereum because it operates over the Ethereum chain and the fees are much higher uh, when you're looking at tokens versus actual, you know, Ether. Okay, so one of the things that we haven't talked about yet uh, that I really want to understand so hard is what I, I think I understand with, for instance, with Bitcoin, that there are a limited number of Bitcoins, Bitcoins, Bitcoins. out there. Yep. Okay, there are a limited number of Bitcoins out there, but they haven't all been found yet. And I don't know how one goes about finding one. Um, but it seems like that finding a Bitcoin for free would be, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. Uh, no. So what you're referring to would be like the max total supply. Uh, and that's something that's written into the code, uh, of any, of any project, Bitcoin, Ether, uh, anything that's out there. And what it's basically saying is that only this number of Bitcoin will ever exist. They don't all exist right now. Uh, but in, in Bitcoin's case, it's 21 million. There will only be 21 million Bitcoin to ever exist. That's written into the white paper. It's written into the code. Of, it's not something that can be edited or adjusted. No one can come in and say, oh, actually, we want to do another. You know, Once it hits 21 million, that's all the Bitcoin that will ever exist. Mm. It hasn't hit that yet. Uh, the way new Bitcoins are generated uh, is through the mining process, through the block rewards. So the miners, that's their incentive for mining, uh, is they get a block reward for each block. So a block would be, a, it would be just several transactions. Like they don't do like one transaction at a time. They process a, a block of transactions. Uh, so when you complete a block, you get a block reward that comes from the blockchain. It's written into, you know, written into the code. Uh, 
and it gets charged, you know, as a transaction fee to the user. But uh, that's how new Bitcoins are generated. And they, and it really just depends on how much Bitcoin is transacting. Like if it's, you know, if it's got a ton of volume and the volume stays steady over time, then, you know, we'll get closer and closer to that 21 million. Mm. Uh, But if it stays, you know, static and, uh, you know, people move on to other tokens, move on to other coins, then it might take, you know, a little longer. They're saying that within the next few years, we'll be close to that 21 million. I think there's, I don't want to quote anything, but I think we're at like 19 Hmm. Uh, something right now or close to that 18 or 19. So we're pretty close to the amount of bit to that, that maximum total supply. Uh, but once we get there, uh, the block rewards, there won't be any more block rewards for miners because the block reward is what generates uh, new Bitcoin. And once we hit that 21 million, they can't generate anymore because we've hit the maximum. So that's when you'll see it start shift more towards like transaction fees. The fees are really low. Uh, on Bitcoin now because the miners are getting these block rewards. They don't necessarily need to charge uh, Mm. a fee to process a transaction. But once those block rewards go away and we have the 21 million that will ever, you know, exist, then we'll start seeing it more of like a fee-based system, which there are fees now, you know, they can assign like nominal fees when they do set up their mining, mining operation. But for the most part, it's the block rewards that everyone's after. Do we know who created Bitcoin? <laughs> no. Yeah, I feel like there's there's legend behind that. Yeah, Satoshi uh, Nakamoto or Yakamoto. Yeah, that sounds exactly right. Exactly what is? Uh, it's it's a made up alias. It's not a real person. Uh, well, I mean, it was a real person that that created it, but that's the alias that this this person used. No one still, yeah, you know, to this day uh, knows for sure who that person is, or if it's a group of people or one person. Uh, maybe it's a really advanced, you know, AI <laughs> intelligence, like who knows, uh, what, uh, yeah, it, it's still to this day, no one, no one knows, but you know, they actually named, if you break Bitcoin down into smaller pieces, uh, the smallest unit of a Bitcoin is referred to as a Satoshi, uh, okay. which is, you know, the first name of the alleged, uh, creator, Satoshi Nakamoto. Now, in most other projects you do have. Uh, you know who the creators are. Bitcoin is one of the few where like it just can't be identified because no one owns it. There's not like a Bitcoin corporation. There's yeah. no CEO of Bitcoin. It's all, you know, independently operated and owned. Uh, where it's not that's not always the case with other uh, with other projects. Like you know they they all most of them will have CEOs and they'll have you know corporate office. Even if it's decentralized, they will still have like a governing body. Uh, which Bitcoin, Bitcoin's governing body is, uh, you know, the the miners, basically. They have what they call core contributors uh, who are, uh, it's like a group of, I don't know exactly how many people there are. There's a ton of them, but they're the ones that validate uh, like the code uh, that the that the mining, each individual mining rig is going to, is going to run. If there's ever needs to be changes to the code, it has to go through this like council, I guess, of, uh, <laughs> the council. Uh, yeah, I don't know what you'd call them <laughs> these core contributors, but, uh, there are some things that even they can't really change. It's just when they do updates, you know, yeah. updates to the software that people are running, it has to go through, go through these people who are all like developers. I wonder how long until we get a movie about Satoshi and the creation of Bitcoin, kind of like the social network. I could see that. Yeah. Where does Andy Wilson see, cryptocurrency in the future what is it what do you think the future looks like do you think fiat currency is completely gone no um i mean if you're talking way down the line uh you know i could see maybe yeah, you know, we shift to a digital you know type of currency being the main 
the currency that people use on a day-to-day. You know, they've even talked about making a digital dollar. The U.S. government has mentioned making a digital version of the dollar, which would operate on a blockchain. But do I see Bitcoin replacing dollars one day? No. Uh, and I don't, I don't really see any, uh, any, you know, project fully replacing uh, U.S. dollars or euros or pesos or any, you know, government-backed currency. I think those will always be what we value uh, everything in like it's always worth X amount of dollars, X amount of, uh, but I think it'll play you know it'll play a role uh, just in in the banking industry in the finance industry. I think it'll you know even be more and more legitimized as time goes on. More and more people buying into it. Like you see hedge funds buying into it now. You see uh, you see Bitcoin ETFs uh, you know getting approved you know at the at the federal level. Like a lot of your big banks are buying into it and offering different crypto-based products, you know, that's just more and more all the time uh, that that's institutions uh, are buying into it. Uh, you mean, you've got even your big, your major players in the tech side, like Apple, Google, Amazon, like they all have patents on, on different types of exchanges and tokens, like they're going to build into their, build into their systems in the future. Like we're still like kind of in the groundwork phase mm-hmm. uh, of a lot of this, like some of these major players in the industry are quietly working behind the scenes, uh, you know, to offer, you know, some major product in the future. And you can, you know, you can tell, you know, from the patents that they filed for and, uh, you know, different insiders saying, oh, we've hired, you can look at job postings, like they're hiring blockchain developers, they're hiring <laughs> directors and VPs of blockchain tech, you know, at these huge, huge companies. So, you know, like a lot is coming uh, in the future uh, and it's going to be really big. Now, whether that's going to affect the price of any, you know, particular coin. It's, uh, you know, you can only speculate, but I think as history would uh, show that, you know, the more big players that buy in and the more people are actually using it and investing in it, you know, the better, the better it off it is uh, financially just from a dollar standpoint. And what about the negatives? And by that, I specifically mean I've heard stories about the fact that like law enforcement is, is concerned about Bitcoin or concerned about cryptocurrency because the anonymity that it that it offers allows people to to you know move money in ways that that uh, hide their illegal activities. Right? Yeah. Well, uh, the way I see it is, anytime a new technology is developed, there's people who are going to figure out how to use it in in crime. Like you know, <laughs> uh, yeah. Before the telephone existed, you never had you know scammers calling your house. You know you know, scamming people over the phone before vehicles. You didn't have getaway drivers and bank robbers who would, you know, you know, jump in their car and drive off after robbing somebody. All new te- innovation, all new technology is going to open a window for someone to abuse and use it illicitly, you know, illegally. So, and Bitcoin's no exception with that. Crypto is no exception with that. It, you know, it can be used to anonymously transact uh, you know, pay for illegal things, uh, you know, drug dealer, drug dealers, you know, people who sell things, uh, that aren't uh, you know aren't exactly legal can use use it to launder money use it to uh, you know transfer money and the fact that it is decentralized and can't be seized by a government means that uh, you know they don't have to worry about someone coming in and taking it from them so yeah there is that aspect mm-hmm. of it but yeah I see that as just part of innovation well I have one more question at the beginning of the show we uh, listed out our favorite cryptocurrency based solely on their name you know there's a lot of wild names in cryptocurrency oh, yeah. of different kinds. Do you have one that comes to mind, like top of the list as far as a oh wild gosh. name? <laughs> Some of them are inappropriate. Uh, I don't want to, 
there's some crazy ones out there. You know the Dogecoin yeah. you mentioned. There's been so many spinoffs uh, of of Dogecoin. There's like Shiba Inu. Was yeah, that's one. a spinoff. Yeah. Uh, then there was like Shiba. There's like Shiba Doge Rocket Coin, <laughs> and like you know uh, Doglon Mars is one. It's like supposed to be an Elon Musk version of Doge, but with Mars instead of. <laughs> that's bananas people like throw all these words together words that they that people associate with crypto yeah. and people associate with like meme culture they'll just throw all those words together and name a coin that like <laughs> so you see a lot of uh, a lot of doge stuff incorporated a lot of moon and mars and different planets people talking about going to the moon or going to yeah, mars yeah so you'll see mars a lot out there rocket uh anything space related people yeah there's a lot of funny stuff out there well, Andy, I want to thank you for coming on. This has been amazing. Um, I'm less confused than I was, but this is, it's like Inception, this whole concept. It's, there's a lot that goes into it, and you've really helped explain it. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah we can do it. We can do a part two sometime and you know, get, get a little more detailed into it. Yeah, whenever we have the new studio, we'll bring you back for part yeah. two. All right. Sounds good. Well, so uh, there is the there is the the end of the guest segment, ladies and gentlemen. Um, normally, we would probably go into a little bit further conversation, uh, a little more action, please. Uh, but <laughs> I feel fully learned, learned. <laughs> I'm my my mind is is a little bit melted right now. I'm not going to lie. That was a lot of information, a lot of nodes, coins, tokens, and wallets. Yeah, boy, man. If we had if we had the 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 jargon zone siren still, I feel like we would we would just be continuous. <laughs> yeah, we would have been stepping into the jargon zone at the beginning and just let the siren blare the whole time because that was a lot of there were a lot of terms in there. I hope you got something out of it. Um, I don't really, we, you know, normally we, we do something to sort of sum up. We do our bullseye. Uh, I, I, I wouldn't even know where to start with this. No, and I feel like Andy did a good job of like being pretty succinct with all of the definitions and everything. He was on fire with his bullseye. On fire. Okay, so we're gonna we're just gonna skip over the bullseye, which means that any second now you're probably gonna be hearing. Oh, there it is, the closing bell. Ladies and gentlemen, you have made it to the end of yet another episode of the Bullcast Podcast. If you liked what you heard and you'd like to hear more, please feel free to go to your favorite subscription service and subscribe. Have this podcast downloaded to your phone or other listening device every single week on Thursday at noon. If you'd like to find out more about me and Cameron, because Katie's not here, you can find out more about Katie too, but I mean, she's not here, okay? So if you'd like to find out more about me and Cameron, the bros, the brosifs, <laughs> uh, you can go to our website. That's bullcastpodcast.com. You can also leave comments there. You can tell Katie that it stinks that she was uh, not on this episode. You can leave suggestions for t topics that you'd like to hear us cover, or you can just make snide remarks, um, you know, uh, just whatever you want. You can also make snide remarks on Twitter. I've heard that that is done quite frequently. Lots of people make snide remarks you on Twitter. Y'all need to light Katie's Twitter up. <laughs> so uh, you can go to our Twitter handle and tweet at us. That's uh, at Bullcast Podcast. And also, you know, we, we do post pictures on Instagram, believe it or not. As a matter of fact, there will be one from this episode because we had a guest. So I was always post a picture of our guest. Uh, that Instagram handle is at Bullcast Podcast. And finally... Katie, Cameron, and I all work at a place called Pickler Wealth Advisors. And if you'd like to find out more about where we work, what we do, 
find out about our amazing team and our amazing boss, David Pickler, then please feel free to go to that website. That's PicklerWealthAdvisors.com. That's advisors with an O. Not an E. Ladies and gentlemen, we have given you probably more than enough information today. You will probably be processing for days and days to come. I know that my mind is still melted. So My mind is officially decentralized. <laughs> Uh, so for now, uh, we'll just leave it at this. I'm Court. I'm Cam. And we out. <laughs>